got two readings tonight. Um, the first is Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 to 3, followed by Psalm 105, verses 26 to 36, and 42 to 45. You'll find the first reading on page 61, and the second on page 608. So Exodus 5, verses 1 to 3. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now, let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. And then turning to page 608, Psalm 105, verses 26 to 36 and 42 to 45. God sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them, his wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made the land dark, for, they, for had they not rebelled against his words? He turned their waters into blood, causing their fish to die. Their land teemed with frogs, which went up into the bedrooms of their rulers. He spoke and there came swarms of flies and gnats throughout their country. He turned their rain into hail with lightning throughout their land. He struck down their vines and fig trees and shattered the trees of their country. He spoke and the locusts came, grasshoppers without number. They ate up every green thing in their land, ate up the produce of their soil. Then he struck down all the firstborn in their land the first fruits of all their manhood. For he remembered his holy promise given to his servant Abraham. He brought out his people with rejoicing, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. He gave them the lands of the nations and they fell heir to what others had toiled for, that they might keep his precepts and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks God. God. Thank you, Pippa. Good evening, everybody. How on earth are we going to read from those scriptures when the uh, calendar said Exodus 7? <laughs> well, God's word is God's word, and uh, you know it's 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 a wonderful thing, isn't it? I've I really loved, and when uh, um, opening up the service, how Edward immediately placed God in His rightful place, high above all, worthy as the Lamb we've just sung, and 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 God overall blessed forevermore is something which rings through all eternity, doesn't it? And as we open God's word and we begin to see how God actually acts in power 
especially in the Old Testament, in, in, in these great uh, acts of deliverance and power. And yet it speaks to us because, as we're reminded from Luke 24, when the, when, uh, the Lord Jesus was speaking with those two on the road to Emmaus, he said, in all the scriptures, in all the scriptures, beginning right at page one, he speaks of himself. And scripture speaks of him, the one in whom God has invested his full delight his full glory, given him a name which is above every name. And that wonderful name was worshipped in Egypt, although uh, Moses had been given the instruction by God to bring my people out that we might worship in a way that God wanted them to worship. And that's what I want us to look at tonight. I want us to see how God really wants to take us out of the, the pollution, if you like, of this world, Egypt, and give us a place where in fellowship together, God's people, we can give him the praise and the glory that's justly due to his name. And we'll hear as we see uh, from his word how the, the God of this world, Pharaoh, will say, no, 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 you're not going to do it. You're going to stay in the land and you can do it. You can go a little bit further if you like, if you have to, when Moses said no, but you're not going to go any further than that. And then he said even further after that, well, you can leave your family behind. No, says Moses, we're going because we belong to God. He is our God. And, and uh, the culmination, of course, it all came to that awful, awful night of which Andrew uh, will be speaking next week. But I just want to read one verse because people will say, well, what's this got to do with us? How does it actually apply? to us today. Well, Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he said this, all these things, going back to the Old Testament, he just talked about, uh, about Egypt and he talked about all the Old Testament experiences, he said, all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands Take heed, lest he fall. How can the subject of the plague speak to us today? How can the subject of uh, such awful experiences to those people have a lesson to us? Well, I believe very strongly that in Scripture, God is taking these things and applying them to our hearts. That there is, a, 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 if not a physical instruction, because we don't have the frogs or the lice or the... The, the, the awful things, our rivers haven't turned to blood, but you know, there's a moral instruction to us that this world, God is dealing with this world in a way that is right to him. This world, you know, brothers and sisters, is a world under judgment. This world is a place that God has still, his son would be cast out. They said, we won't have him as our king. They said, we have no king but Caesar. And things haven't changed as we go around. I, I was just talking to a lady two days ago. I was walking the dog. And this lady I know, and I know she doesn't have very much sympathy for, for, for Christianity and like so many others. And she's, she's in rambling on. And suddenly she said something to the effect of, you know, I just love to see the beautiful countryside. And the sun was shining and it did look glorious. Looked absolutely wonderful. I love to see this. He said, she said, it's, it's so beautiful and speaks about so much that's going on today that we can enjoy. 
And I just happened to say to her, I don't know why I said it, but I did. I said, oh, how much more wonderful to see the God that made it so glorious. And she said, yes, well, I think I don't believe in that. But that's the world in which we live. But today, you know, God would speak into our hearts that he wants us to come aside from all the pollution of this world. He wants to take us apart, and he wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. Isn't that what the Lord Jesus said to the woman in John chapter 4 at Sychar's well? She said, you worship in this mountain. Others said, she said, you, you should worship in Jerusalem. But the Lord Jesus said, the Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And my mind immediately goes back to Psalm 137, where, the, uh, uh, where those Israeli women uh, were in Babylon by the river. And the Babylonians said, sing us a song. Go on, give us some of your songs. And what did they say? How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And we're in a strange land in the world today. We're in a place that is apart from God. And yet we want to sing the Lord's song. And so in this wonderful passage, and, and Edward said, you know, he just loves this, and I love this. I love the book of Exodus. I think there's so much that speaks to us. That, that God would draw us aside into a place where in perfect harmony and in perfect fellowship with another, one with another, we can sing and we do sing the Lord's song. And don't we joy in it? Doesn't it lift our hearts to praise him? Doesn't it thrill us with all the wonder and the glory of what God has done in our lives? When the Lord Jesus came and he died on a cross for us, when he took our sin away and he said, I've come that you might have a life and have it all its fullness. And surely we have in Christ. But in Exodus chapter 9, God said, I will send my plagues that you may know there is none like me in all the earth. I will send my plagues. He said that to Egypt. In chapter 7, he said to Moses and Aaron, he said, I'm going to multiply my signs and my wonders. You see, what were plagues to Egypt were signs and wonders to the people of God. They had a different emphasis. God was speaking into their hearts. And when Moses and Aaron said, let my people go, God was going to fulfill that promise in all its fullness. He was going to bring them out in order that they might enter into the joys of what God was preparing for them in another land, eventually, in, uh, in Canaan. God's dealings in Egypt were plagues to Egypt, but they were signs and wonders. And it was by these great judgments that God was going to bring his people out, and he was going to set them apart, and he was going to give them a place where they could worship together. And I, 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 I would suggest there's some instruction to us in this, a moral instruction, if you like, that, that God wants to deliver us from some of the shackles that still get hold of us. And you may feel, and I certainly do, and I don't think I'm very different to everybody, to anybody else, but there are shackles in, the, in this world in which we are which hold us back from really fulfilling what God has for us. As we look on, we know our scriptures, and, and it says there's a day coming when the things that eye hasn't seen, the things that ear hasn't heard, the things that uh, our hearts haven't even entered into, 
But, but God is preparing for them, preparing us for them now. Don't we want to enjoy this? Because it goes on to say, Paul says in 1 Corinthians there, it's over our bed, I've said it before, Mary said, God is already revealing these things to us by his spirit today. And he wants us to enjoy it. He wants to bring us deliverance from the shackles of Satan in this world, the God of this world, who still rules the prince of the power of the air. Darkness in heavenly places. And yet we belong to a living Christ a living Lord. And we need to take this up, I believe, from this, these chapters individually in our own lives and seek to eradicate, if we're really going to be liberated in all the glory, into all the freedom and the glory of what God has prepared to us, we need, by the power of his Spirit, to eradicate these things from our lives, to shut them out completely, close the door on them, and be occupied with Christ, the one who is God's eternal, blessed, holy son. I wonder if we experience that in our lives day by day. Why did the Lord Jehovah take this approach then in dealing with Egypt and with Pharaoh? Well, Pharaoh didn't know God. Remember that in the days of Joseph, it said Joseph and Pharaoh had a great relationship and then another Pharaoh came along who didn't know Joseph. And things changed completely and utterly. And this Pharaoh, although he knew of God because he said later on in about chapter 11, and I would encourage you to read these chapters 7 to 11. Didn't want people to read them all tonight. That's why we read the, the abbreviated version in the Psalms. But Pharaoh didn't know God in that sense at all. He did in another sense, and he said, I know about your God time and again. What's he got to do with me? Why should he have any hold over me? And you know, that's the world we live in today. This woman said to me just that. Why should God, he didn't use those words, but that was the intimation, I don't believe in him. I don't want anything to do with him. Pharaoh didn't know the truth of this great God of ours. And he therefore said, no. I'm not going to. Time and again, he said no to Moses, and in so doing, said it to God. The ultimate purpose, of course, of what God was doing was to bring Pharaoh to his knees so that he could indeed bring his people out of Egypt. God had made them a promise he was going to do this. And God never, ever breaks his promises. But at the same time, you know, the Lord was revealing to both Israel and Egypt that he alone is God. He alone has authority. He alone has a name which is above every name. And he's appointed his son, his eternal son, that every knee is going to bow to the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes in a moment of badness, naughtiness, I think, wouldn't it be wonderful to see some of these people bowing to Christ? And that isn't humility, and I'm sorry. But, you know, we can't help but think, you know, these people are going to bow the knee to this great saviour of ours. He alone is Lord. God has ordained it. God has spoken. The sideline was that, of course, the plagues, each in their different way, were dealing with the gods of, of, of Egypt. And in Numbers uh, 33, God has said, now it says, I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. And from the first God, uh, the God 
rather inappropriately named Happy, the Egyptian god, uh, who was the god of the Nile, and wasn't so happy when the Nile was turned to blood, right through to the last one before the Passover, when there was darkness over the whole of the, 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 the face of Egypt, except for one place, which we'll look at in a moment, the great sun god, Ra. So from happy to Ra, and all the gods in between, each one of these plagues was applicable to one particular plague. God said, I'm going to destroy their gods. I'm going to execute judgment on their gods. And you know, in, 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 in our lives, we have many, many gods. I know my gods. They didn't do so well today, as I was reminded. Um, but uh, uh, I know what my gods are. I know where my demons are. And God is going to execute judgment. But he calls on us, you know, to put those things aside. And he calls upon those things to, to if you like, crucify them with Christ. And, 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 and to put them to death, to put them away, so that I can worship him in totality. Let my people go. Let all of us go from the things that we hold on to in the world, which come between us and God. The devil will say, no. No, that's fine. You're perfectly all right with that. Just stay with us and you'll be okay. Or he might say, compromise a little bit and say, well, as he did to Moses, okay, you can go just onto the border. You'll see that in chapter 10, uh, chapters 8 and chapter 10. You can just go onto the border and worship your God there. But don't go too far because I want to retain a bit of a hold on you. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land, in a land of Egypt, spiritually? How can we do that? and bring honor and glory to the name, mixing, if you like, mixing God with the things of the world. No, says Moses. It was Moses' turn to refuse. Now, no, we're going three days' journey, as instructed by God, into the wilderness, and there we will worship. Nothing less. That's what God has commanded. Why three days? And it's good to notice that at this stage, I believe. Why three days? Well, everything hinges in God's economy on the perfect victory won by the Lord Jesus Christ on a cross. Remember, God is infant. He looks forward. He can see this. Egypt couldn't. Moses and, 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 and Aaron wouldn't. But three days, how long was the Lord Jesus in the tomb? Three days. How long was it before up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph, the victory of all victories, and it was wrought by the Lord Jesus Christ on the third day? And that speaks in Scripture of total victory and of freedom to bring his people into worship as they should for us. Three days' journey into the wilderness, nothing less was what Moses was saying. And three days it was going to be. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. There was another reason why these judgments were being executed on Egypt. And that it, Ezekiel tells us that even then that the Israelites were beginning to take these gods to themselves. And beginning to take, thinking, well, they're not so bad after all. 
you know, we can, we can do a little bit of this, we can do a little bit of that. And the psalmist said, no, our fathers in Egypt didn't understand. They didn't know what you were talking about. He said, they didn't remember the multitudes of your mercies. And so often we forget. We forget that God is going to ring, wrought. God is going to wrought. What's the present of wrought, Edward? What's the present of wrought? He's going to wreak. Wreak? No, He's going to bring judgment. That's much easier. On all these things which will take our hearts and our minds away from him. He wants us for himself. The Father seeks worshippers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Where do you and I stand in this with regard to it? What's the state of your life or the state of my life? I ask myself often, and, and I don't like to face up to it sometimes, but we have to be honest with God. We have to be upfront with him. We have to be able to be utterly clean with him, transparent with him. Because God is not mocked, and nothing is hidden. And in these plagues, the first three, um, uh, even Paul wrote to Timothy about them later on. He, he quoted these two, because they tried to imitate God. And, and they did do so. You remember Aaron's rod that had swallowed up beginning, uh, all the, the wise men's rods. The wise men were able, they, they said, ah, we can do those things too. And, and the world says it can do those things too, and mysticism and the occult and all these things which are shown to us, that we can match God, says Satan, to us. But his rod swallowed up all the rest. And Paul reminded Timothy before he went out on his ministry, he said there were two men there, Janus and Jambres, who, who, who were able to do all that. But he said, beware. Beware the world in which you are living today, Timothy. Stay aside from these things. He said there are many today, and he speaks to us, who have a form of godliness, but actually no heart for God at all, who pretend to be servants of the Lord, but they don't know him. Imitators of God. Stay away from them. In totality, stay away. And we would say to our young people and, and, uh, and our young families when they go off to, you know, I remember at university, I'm sure you all do seances and all sorts of things which they used to do in the, the evenings. Stay away from them, Paul said to Timothy. Avoid them like the plague, otherwise you'll get a plague, uh, is, is the sort of thing. But these signs suggest... Uh, a world under judgment. God is sending his judgment on all that speaks against him. He will not have it. I am the Lord. My name is I am. Say to Pharaoh, I am who I am. And remember the Lord used that name many times, seven times I think it is. God would have us all understand just how much we need to be wholly dependent on him. How much we need to desire complete deliverance from all that the world stands for in order that we might go out three days into the wilderness, spiritually speaking, and worship him in spirit and in truth. Paul said to the Ephesians, he said it again and again, and the New Testament brings it to us in its fulfillment. He said, do not walk as the rest of the Gentiles. Don't do the things that they do. 
understand, their understanding was darkened. They were alienated from the life of God. They were ignorant. They were blind. He said, you have not so learned Christ. No, we've learned a Christ who, who's a wonderful saviour who's liberated us from all these things that Satan would trap us in. He said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new man according to God in true righteousness and holiness. God wants us to live lives for him, of honor to him in this world. He wants us to be free to worship him in spirit and in truth. He wants us to be a testimony and a witness to his name, a name which is above all names. He wants the world to see that he is the Lord. And he sees that in his saints, in you and I, if we're true to him. I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago about Joseph and Joseph and Pharaoh and then another Pharaoh who, who didn't know Joseph. But when Joseph first came into the land and got into that position of great power and authority, he negotiated a place which is down near what is now the Suez Canal area. The Suez Canal didn't exist then, um, of course, but, uh, but he negotiated this area with Pharaoh where the Israelites might live. And it was a place called Goshen. And it was down, if you look at a map, it was down at the bottom. And, and, and you know, Goshen speaks very powerfully to us. If all these things were given to us an example, and if all these things were a picture to us of what really is so in the world and in our lives today, as, as Paul said to the Corinthians, believers, you and I, walking in the Spirit of God, obedient to his word, having conversation one with another and fellowship with another, are spiritually in the land of Goshen, separate from the rest of the world. As Christians, we're marked out. We should be. As Christians, we belong to God. Yes, we go out with the gospel, but nevertheless, how can we have fellowship with those who have no fellowship? You can't put together um, God and Belial, says, says Paul to the Corinthians. You can't, you can't join them together. They're unjoinable, if there's such a word. Are we in the land of Goshen spiritually in our lives? Have we reached that place in our Christian experience under the Lordship of Christ where the Holy Spirit is the power to maintain separation from the world? Pharaoh says no. Satan says no. You can't do it. No. 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 Is the cry of Satan in the world today and to our hearts. Pharaoh said, no, 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 you're not going. I'm not going to let go of you. I need you too badly. But believe that spiritually speaking to us today, Goshen is a place where my human nat nature and frailty is known so bad. The old nature, which is, uh, which is sinful, has been put away. And I've come into the freedom to be able to worship God as he would have it. Are we in the land or are we out of it? Do we feel the hand of God sometimes on our lives saying that is not consistent with your Christian faith? Or do we say no, just stay here a little bit longer?
as Satan said, through Pharaoh. You know, in Goshen it says, in the last of the plagues, that they had light in their dwellings. All the things that happened, it's, it's significant actually that Goshen, the very first mention of it in this passage, uh, these chapters, it said they had no flies there. When the plague of flies came, God said, I'm going to divide the land. And, and uh, you, 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 will, you will see it if you look in, I think it's in chapter, I won't be able to find it now, but it's the flies. Yes, in, in, yeah, here it is, verse 22 of chapter 8. In that day, I'm going to set apart the land of Goshen, says God, where my people are. That's where I am, where my people are. There are no flies there. It says, I'm going to set it apart, the land in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, in order that you may know what? That I am the Lord. That I'm control, in control of all this in the midst of the land. I'll make a difference between my people and your people. I'm going to separate. And we need to be separate. Come out from amongst them. Paul said it in 2 Corinthians. Isaiah said it first. And Paul repeated it in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He said, come out from amongst the world and its systems and all the things that would drag you down from honoring my name. Come out from amongst them. Be separate. God would have us as a people for himself, being able to share in a wonderful way the gospel that he's given to us to people who are outside of Christ. Light in their dwellings. In all the darkness, the darkness was so bad in that place that you could reach out and touch it. We've never known darkness like it. Reach out and touch it, and you could feel the darkness. But they had light in the dwellings. They had the light of Christ shining in their homes. And I put a boundary, says God, and I've separated it completely. It's where a holy people walk in fellowship together. They walk in the Spirit. They walk in the fellowship of God's Son. Are you and I walking in the Spirit today? Are you and I walking in fellowship with God's Son? If so, we'll be preserved because God has promised that I'm going to put a wall between them, that the world will not touch you, that whatever Pharaoh says about coming out a little bit more, and, and, and uh, uh, whatever Moses says about coming out completely, and Pharaoh says, no, just stay a little bit. Sacrifice in the land, he said in chapter 8, verse 25. He said, go and sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses answered, it's not right to do so. We would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, will they, will they not stone us? No, says Pharaoh, we're going three days into the wilderness. No compromise. God calls for no compromise in our lives with the world. So he says, okay, I'll let you go. In verse 28, that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you won't go very far away. Just over the edge, where I can keep an eye on you. And the world wants to keep an eye on us. Satan wants to keep an eye on us. No, says Moses. We're not. God has given us the instruction. I'm going out from you, and I'll entreat the Lord if you'll let us go, that swarms of flies may depart tomorrow. But they didn't. 
until Moses gave the instruction. In chapter 10, verse 11, it says this. Moses said, we'll go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds we'll go, in order that we might hold a feast and worship the Lord. Then he said to them, the Lord had better be with you when I let you and your little ones go. Beware, evil is ahead of you. Not so, go now, you who are men, and serve the Lord. Leave your families behind. How can we leave our families behind? How can we divide what is nearest and dearest to us? No. The Lord Jesus wants us in totality for himself. He wants us in order that we might give him the place in our, in, in, in our lives for him. But Pharaoh wasn't going to have it, and again, he says no. Um, but you can go, but leave your flocks and herds behind. No, says Moses, in uh, chapter 10, verse 24. We'd have nothing to offer to the Lord if we went out. Everything that we have as believers surely belongs to him. Everything that we have belongs to him. It's, it's our great and wondrous God who has given it to us. It belongs to him. Our lives are all our hearts, our families, our possessions, it all belongs to him. Oh, Pharaoh says, leave them behind. No, says Moses. No, God has spoken. Not a hoof will be left behind. We're going, and that's it. And Moses and, and, and uh, Pharaoh says, not in my life. Not in your lives. And so the last great plague, which isn't in tonight's talk, Andrew will speak on that in the Passover, the most awful thing to happen, but speaking so wonderfully, there was a way for God's people, there was a way, there is a way for God's people, the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin, the blood shed on a cross for us in his obedience to his Father to go and be sacrificed on a cross in our place. What a wonderful saviour we have. God is not reneging on any promise for us. No compromise. Moses' answer must be our answer today. That we're putting the world aside. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I'm put to death. I'm dead to the world. And that, as Christians, is our status. Dead to the world. I'm crucified with Christ. But I'm still alive. Nevertheless, I live. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. The life which I'm living is not my life at all. It's Christ's life in me. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Why did he love me? I don't know. Why did he give himself for me? I've no idea. It's because he loved me, and he's loved me from all eternity past. Chosen in Christ, all of us who know him and love him. Chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Beyond our understanding. We can't take this in. But hallelujah. Isn't it true that we know that we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ? And we know 
that there's to be no compromise when Satan comes knocking on the door. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Should we pray? Lord Jesus, we're so conscious that we live in a world which has such powers, attractions, things which don't seem too bad, things which seem positively awful. But Lord, we want to be wholly committed to you. We want to be in that place where we can enjoy fellowship together in your wonderful name. Help us not to associate with the things of the world, Help us to so grow in our faith that we may be a light to the world, that they may see by your good works who you belong to and glorify your God who is in heaven. Lord, we're totally unable to do this on our own, but we pray that by your Spirit you would really encourage us and bless us and build us up in our faith that you may be supreme in every single thing in our lives. We ask it for your name's sake. Amen.